Welcome into Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing today, man? I'm going to be uh, celebrating, but also paying my respects all show. So good to see you, Joe. Since you said that, Theo, I, I didn't know whether to <clears throat> save this for the end of the show or start with it. <clears throat> but Toby Keith has passed away at the age of 62. 62 and it caught me by surprise. I knew he had uh, cancer, and you know how people always say, and I can't really say it on here, screw cancer. That's all I have to say about that. Um, the, what was your favorite song of his? I, I know you're wearing a cowboy hat right now. Like, What, what was your favorite song? Go ahead. Go ahead. There's too many. I mean, uh, you know, there's should have been a cowboy, Red Solo Cup. I mean, uh, don't let the old man in. The uh, that's the song written for Clint Eastwood's birthday. I like this. The, bar. List, the list goes on and on. I mean, Toby Keith was a tremendous country artist. He was a rebel. He was a patriot. He was an American. He was a proud American. Uh, the great thing about Toby Keith was he found a way to take his songs to make them entertaining, to have a little bit of skin, but also have a fun message in them. But also, you know, make music videos and make songs to entertain uh, his fans. And he was a tremendous performer. Uh, I'm sad to say, unfortunately, I will not be able to see him. He is not my. He is now on my bucket list in heaven of people I have to see, including Robin Williams, because I did not see Robin Williams uh, in person as well. I had an opportunity to see Toby Keith last year during COVID, but its concerts were canceled because of his. Uh, diagnosis and his health uh seeing him perform at the caamas was uh truly amazing and it's but uh sad to see a legend go like that and he will be missed but his playlist will be forever in my vehicle no matter what yeah yeah i saw that post you made right after it happened and man unbelievable i mean i love this bar comes to mind for me um yeah have you been to his bar did you go to his bar in vegas no, but we did go to his bar slash, I think it was a barbecue place in Kansas City, yep. inside a casino. I mean, that was probably some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Yeah. Some of the best. And I yeah. think I have his menu somewhere still from Vegas, a picture of it. Or I used to always collect cocktail menus from different bars and different restaurants growing up. And I think I have his somewhere. So, yeah, there was uh, I visited that time. I visited toby's bar in vegas almost every single time i went so yeah sad to see it go yeah that's for sure i'll, I'll keep this i didn't know if my headphones were going to go over this or not but hey it actually works so i'm fine with that um go. so brendan Dillon of the winnipeg jets it has been suspended for three games for hit on Noel Achari. I didn't see a lot there to warrant a three-game suspension. How about you? Uh, in short, no. Uh, it is a case of a gentleman who was going for a puck, going to make a physical play, who happens to be six foot four, 230 pounds, against a player who is much shorter than him, reaching for the puck, 
losing control of the puck in the neutral zone, unable to control his speed, his body position, and therefore gets hit. In no way, if you slow it down, check it all every angle, whatever you want to do, uh, I'm not disregarding the fact that it was a, a hit to the head. I'm not saying that. Yes, the shoulder made contact with the head. Yes, the helmet went flying. Yes, Noel, Noel's head, his nose hit the ice. Yes, okay, he was injured. Yes, okay. But a three-game suspension is not warranted for the hit for several reasons. If you slow the play down, okay, Brendan Dillon could have sent Noel Achari into outer space if he were to hit him the way Scott Stevens, the way Darius Kasparitis, the way Jeff Bukaboom, uh, the way Eric Lindros, the way Dustin Bufflin would have hit somebody coming through the neutral zone. They would have railroaded him. They would have cleaned his clock. He would not have woken up. I'm not done. If you watch Brendan Dillon's body positioning, he moves to the glass. He moves to the boards and knows that this player is in danger, knows that this player is losing control of his body, position, speed, and possession of the puck altogether, and therefore moves to the side away from the player. Watch it again, Joe. I will. I will. Achiari is reaching for the puck, therefore taking his 5'11 frame and making it even shorter. Yeah. And we talk about split-second decisions that are made in professional sports and how extremely fast hockey is. Brandon Dillon is trying to avoid hurting this player at all costs. But he has to play hockey. He has to do either one of two things. Take the body or take the puck or both. And Brandon Dillon, in his 868 games in this NHL, has only been suspended once for one infraction, who does not have a repeat offender tag on him whatsoever, is doing the right thing for this game. The complexion of that game and the tempo of that game and the advantage in that game completely changed in that second fraction of a second. Now you're going to tell me that Brendan Dillon is supposed to give this little munchkin a free pass to get into the zone and not play hockey and maybe have a 2-0 game or at least an odd man rush into the Winnipeg Jets offensive zone in the second period or is he supposed to play hockey? I, I mean, I, can't, I mean, this is what is wrong with the game. I mean, I'm not like, – I know I'm going to get a lot of flack on this, a lot of heat on this, and I'll probably get warranted or exnade by NHL.com by, for saying this. But, yes, there is a player safety matter involved. Absolutely. But the onus is on the offensive player just as much as the defensive player. Number two – if you see his body moving away from the play, he's not trying to make full contact. If Brandon Dillon would have dropped down to a five foot six position 
Take his shoulder, put it in your chest. Bye-bye. He would have hit a concrete wall, and he would have been dumb for. Then the worst thing about it is, the the, the yeah, the cockamamie, you know, fisty-fisty after the hit is garbage. I'm sick and tired of seeing that after a good hit. Why? Good. Why? But, but, as a ho- but as a hockey team, you want to protect your guy. Okay? You know what? So protect your guy, okay, by clean by having a clean hit or doing some these mini who's oh these mini who, scrums. Did you yeah. see? Did you see who was in the mini scrum? No, there were no TKO, there were no heavy hitters, there were no brawlers. It was like second line, third line, you know, 775,000 mini minimum grade players trying to stand up for their player. What happened the rest of that game, Joe? Did you watch it? No. You want to know what happened? There was a five-minute power play, and it was the most unentertaining, zero-energy game after the 10-minute mark of the second period. When that power play was over, and Pittsburgh went up 3 nothing, and it ruined the game completely. Now, I'm going to say I'm old school. Don Cherry old school. A game like that. Yeah, you get it all out of the way, you get your penalties done, fine, but it does not change the complexion of the game, and that did. And the officials did the right thing, wrong thing, however you want to discuss that. In my eyes, not that I'm a Jets fan, not because I'm a Jets fan, you watch that play, yes, penalty should have been put out. Should have been a match penalty by the rule, yes, I can't deny that. Am I saying the rule is wrong? It misinterpreted. If you looked at the body positioning, it could have been a whole lot worse. If it's a player safety matter, you say he shouldn't have had to give up what five thousand, whatever the whatever the fine is. Minimum right? of a so a match penalty or a stick infraction penalty. You see, Connor McDavid and Matthew Kachuk swapping sticks with each other. The maximum fine they can get for a first-time offense is $5,000. This guy is giving up $60,000 north of sixty dollars I, I agree. That's too much. I agree. That's too it's much. ridiculous. I think, though, if you're going to suspend somebody, three games isn't the way to go. I'd, I'd give him one because it's not like this guy's done it before. He's, he's, been, he's been suspended once in his career before this. Once. So it's not like he's... A George Peros out there, which I, I bring that name up because he's ahead of player safety, ironically. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't quite understand that. George Peros, the number one goon in the NHL when he played, is the head of player safety and throws down something like this. It just shows how the NHL and its image has changed so much that it does not allow for physical play to count. If anything, if there is a silver lining to this, this wakes the Winnipeg Jets up out of their four-game losing skid. This wakes that offense up somehow because they only have three goals, or sorry, two goals in their last three games. This offense and the offense of this team needs to start scoring because they're letting up three and four goals now. 
they have not had a good track record in January and now the beginning of February. Yeah, but that also has to do, Theo, with Co- Connor Hellebuck not playing as well as he's. Oh no, it's not. It's no, no, it's not Connor Hellebuck. The Jets are still the number one team goals against average. Check your stats, okay? Connor Hellebuck is still in a nine eighteen or nine twenty two save percentage still, but giving okay? up a lot of goals. That's where I went but, with that. But your team is not pulling enough offensive important time having offensive zone time and having offensive important zone time are two different things yes the first i don't know there was some jets presence in front of the net of tristan jari yes they had some good scoring opportunities yes they should have probably put a couple of those in it would have been nice it would have changed the game they did put one in that was called back after an offside review but you can't win games when your offense, your top line, is only getting nine shots or nine scoring chances a game. At this point, Connor Hellebuck has a 923. So while he there are more goals going in, he's still making the save and keeping you in games. So, Absolutely. but at, at, at the bad. same. You watched him at the end of that game. When that game hit 60 minutes and it was over, he was the first one off the ice. He was like, get me out of Pittsburgh. I'm done with this. This was retarded. Uh, bad game. Get me out. So uh, maybe this wakes uh, Winnipeg up. Hope. Uh, well, for me, hopefully not being a Blues fan. But then again, they're not. They're not as much of a rival as like Dallas or Colorado. I can't stand those two teams. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the Jets are still two games in hand. They're still in third place overall in the in the West. Um you really want to host that series though. If you're the Jets and if you stay, you're probably going to get the one or two spot in the well, the two or three spot in the uh uh Central Division. You really want to be in that two spot because either you're facing Colorado or you're facing Dallas. So, I if if I'm Winnipeg right now, you better hope you get into that two spot. We still have 34 games left in the season. Yeah, Charlie. but I, I but I it's either going to be Colorado or Dallas who wins this division. But at the same time if you're, you're not putting Vancouver in that mix? No, no, I'm talking about the central. Okay? Oh, the central. Yeah, so you know how they're doing the um yeah. Playoff format now, which I'll get to that in a second. Sidney Crosby said something which makes total sense, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, If I'm Winnipeg, though, I want that second spot. Because they get that second spot, they have an upper hand, I think, over Colorado or Dallas. They, You can't start on the road. You're going to get creamed if you start on the road. Mm, I wouldn't say creamed. I think you have a better – you have to look again at how the team – and, again, it's going to come down to April 15th, April 18th, what position you are, what your last 10 games were like, what you're playing as a team. Are you moving up or are you moving down? The bottom okay. line is the Jets, can't, the Jets can't falter anymore right now because if they keep sliding three or four games again, they're now looking at a seven or a six spot, not a three or a two spot. That's yeah. the difference now. So they don't there's very little room for error here and they need to reassess their offense quickly to get going. One goal in the in the power play in the last nine games isn't gonna cut it. 
That's no. St. Louis Blues numbers. <laughs> I like how you took a subtle shot at me. Actually, no, that was a well, full-blown shot. But uh, uh, I'll get to the Blues in a second. I mean, I, it's been a long week without hockey, that's for sure, at least, at least yeah. on this end. But as of right now, the Winnipeg Jets are 30-13-5 and five with 65 points. Points percentage, 67%. 67, well, 677. And you're at a plus um, 36 goal differential. If you, if the playoffs were to start right now, you'd be facing Colorado, who's 32-15-4. But yeah. that game would be, first two games would be in Ball Arena, in that altitude. Yeah. You don't want that if you're Winnipeg. You do not want that. I don't want it now because the Jets have lost four in a row now. No, I know, Theo, but I, I think that I think well, it could change. You, look, you are three so points out. out. When we get up to our playoffs, when we start looking at our playoffs, April eighteenth or April fifteenth beforehand, when you look at the last ten games each team is playing that are in the playoffs, that is going to create a lot of tendency or trend in how well a team is playing and how well they're going to play in that first round. Yeah, there'll be some anomalies. Yeah, there'll be a Florida eighth spot that goes in and goes all the way. But when you consider, if you look at all of those matchups, those first eight matchups, the team that has the not only the better record, but the better win-loss record in their last 10 regular season games is going to have more momentum over the other, regardless of home or away. Regardless. Mark it down. February 7th. There's my theory. Yeah, there's your theory. And your theory came early. Wow. <laughs> oh, I wow. got more. I got another one. Don't worry. All right. So what I was talking about earlier, Sidney Crosby said he'd change the league. Uh, he'd change the league to go with a 1-8 playoff format. Says it rewards team for the reg- teams for the regular season better. Absolutely. Agreed or no? Absolutely. It's, you know what, it's it's stupid that the NHL hasn't adopted this 20 years ago. I mean, back when you had the four old school divisions, the Smythe, the Patrick, the Adams, and the whatever the other Wales. one was. Wales. No, wait. No, that was yeah. Cam- Wales and Campbell Conference were the, when you had. Sorry, oh, my the, bad. Um, there's the Smythe, Adams. there's Adams, there's the. Uh, Patrick division, and then there was the, not them. It was the same thing as the Norris. What, what? Norris. Norris. Yeah, that's right. So you had those four, they had reseeds every single time there was playoffs. But they also had a 1-8 program set up in there too. They should go back to that right away. And it should go back, not just for the reasons Sid said, but because you want, like, if you win, if you put up 110 points in the season, You've earned that right to play the eighth spot. You know, uh, the top eight teams in each division, east and west, get into the playoffs. Enough said. Once each series is done, reseed it. Rule one, rule two. Let's have a Stanley Cup champion. Done. I. That's the shortest rule book ever. Yep. I would agree with that totally. Um, it won eight, well, and, and that's the thing. That's what it was. That's what I grew up to. You're in the eighth spot. You're playing the best team in your conference. 
And it Absolutely. should go back to that. Yeah. Absolutely. In other news, the St. Louis Blues are going to play the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2025 NHL Bridge, I think Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic. Uh, that game will be at Wrigley Field in January. Oh, God, how cold that's going to be. Actually, that might be a warm day in Winnipeg. Well, it's been a warm January here. We've got rain happening right now. We don't have snow. We have rain. But, yes, I have from my old time, the first Winter Classic. I have my parking sign only from Wrigley Field at the Winter Classic. Still somewhere. So, I don't know. Downstairs in my basement, I think. But, yeah, great matchup. Great rivalry. Uh, it's going to be back a lot of people, uh, a lot of old school. I think it's a great venue. Wrigley Field is fun. It's an exciting place to be. Uh, um I could only think of two other teams, perhaps, that could be in that type of scenario, and they're both Eastern teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you have those those close to original six or the original 16s, playing in a classic like that, it's fun to see. It really is, and this year's Winter Classic was not good. I mean, it, 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 it bombed in ratings. I didn't watch No, I, I, I mean... I barely watched it, Theo. I watched more of the college football playoff than I did that. And usually I, I look forward to this game every year. It was not good. No. I had mainly because they had two teams, mainly because they had two teams in there that probably didn't deserve it. And there I'm, is no okay, history so, there. Okay. There is so no, look, yeah. History wise, those two teams deserve to be there. With their current rosters right now, do you think it's going to be an exciting game, Joe? Take yourself away from being a St. Louis Blues fan. Do you think it would be exciting to promote that type of game with those two teams? It would depend on what these two teams do in the offseason. Both will have money to play with. The Blues I, the Blues will have some money to play with. Uh, maybe if you trade a defenseman, this team isn't far off from competing. Now, Chicago... I think they're about three, four years away from even being relevant. So I, I, I don't quite understand where the why the Blackhawks keep getting these. Have you have you seen their record in outdoor games? It's not good. Sure. And the sure. Blues are the Blues are undefeated in outdoor games. But there's only <laughs> one reason why Chicago's in this game. Because of Connor Bedard. Exactly. And I think the NHL is doing him injustice by putting all this pressure on him now. And yeah, it's a spotlight. It's a accolade. It's something to hang your hat on. But there are a lot of players in the NHL, a lot of teams in the NHL that could play a better game against St. Louis to be in that winter classic. Oh, I got one. I got one for you. Detroit. In No, no, no. Hold on. In uh, Comerica Park. Absolutely. Toronto, Detroit, did, so not Toronto. Detroit is one of my three teams I thought at the beginning that could play. Because it, look at that rivalry. Look at that rivalry of what it was in the 90s. Yeah. As, in, as intense as it got. I mean, yeah, not Montreal, Boston, Boston, Toronto, Toronto, Montreal. But it was still a great rivalry. It's up there. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Dallas, also, East West, 
East West. Yeah. I well, and I guess that's why the NHL doesn't do things like that. And it, it kind of kind of ticks me off in a way because even though the rivalries aren't there per se anymore, don't tell the teams that. Don't tell the teams that that are in uh, in this position to be a kid again. They're gonna be. Well, they're go ahead. Why not have an East West rivalry? Because be, well, you can't do West, it because they don't play each other a lot. And that's why those two points in a neutral site game with natural elements, with added pressures, with um, uncontrollable events. Like there's a lot of things that go right, and there's a lot of things that go wrong in those winter games. And to rely on an environment and infrastructure that isn't consistent throughout the rest of the year. You know what? You say, so I'm just going to put this out there. Remember the game in Tahoe where they had ice troubles galore and they had to stop the game so many times, even in Winnipeg with Edmonton, when we had ice hitting the, the sunlight, hitting the ice and it was making the ice puddled and you couldn't had to postpone the game for two and a half hours. Those two points could have mattered. Not that they don't matter in the East-West game, but in an East-West game, they're less important because you barely play those teams. And the next time a Western team in the playoff sees an Eastern team is in the Stanley Cup final. That's what I'm saying. Put the All-Star game as a winner classic. How about that? Yeah, because the All-Star games become absolutely unwatchable. Yeah. It's a joke that they gave. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, the Blues being a part of this game again. No, I know, but let me finish this. The Blues being a part of that game again is so much fun. I mean, I had so much fun being at the one in St. Louis. Cannot wait for the one in in Wrigley Field. That's going to be so much fun. So that All-Star weekend just passed. And why? Why does the NHL keep this gimmick going? Just let it go. Just don't. The only thing all-star-wise that needs to be done is maybe a skills competition. The all-star game itself is absolute trash. Trash. In fact, the only all-star game who does it well, this is, my father and I were talking about this the other day. The only all-star game that's even worth watching anymore is the Major League All-Star game. Because there's you can't really fake that. You can't really take it. You can take it easy, but you can't at the same time. Is the winner of the Major League All-Star game still hosting the World Series? No, no. But, it, but they, should, there's, they should bring that back. They should bring that back. I agree. The winner of the All-Star game should host. Host the World Series. I, I agree with that. That that league, yeah. Bring that back. But you can't do that in the NHL All-Star game because they have drafts now. It's three on three. It's a spectacle. It's got, you know, uh, honorary captains that show up drunk and high. It's got players that could care two stuffs about how they play. It's got a what's supposed to be an all-time goal scorer by the end of his career, preaching that he wants a car. But then he's like, no, I'm going to go to Dubai and I'm going to hang out with my family. Like, it's just, 
it's a free for all and there's no there's no energy or clout to a reason to play well or to want to win the only team that wanted to win was the Toronto Maple Leaf squad because they haven't won anything in forever yeah it's it's awful it's it's not even worth <laughs> so how do you fix it there's no way of fixing it or there is and you go back to east to west and you make whoever wins that game the host of the or at least the um first two games of the Stanley Cup final do what major league baseball did for so many years Think that could work in the NHL like it did in Major League Baseball for years? I mean, you give it everything else a shot. Why not? Uh, you'd have to go back to five on five play. This three yeah, on three stuff doesn't. The three on three stuff doesn't. Uh, you know, it makes it a spectacle even more so. And if you're going to put any energy or any type of weight on the actual All Star game itself, you have to make it a five on five game. I did see more goaltending than I thought I'd see, though. Apparently the goaltenders, yeah, the goaltenders in the skills competition were crazy. And then in the game, I mean, yeah, they let in four or five goals. But you think in an an all-star game, you get like a 10 to 9 game. These guys were actually making great saves. Outside of the skater, I mean, outside of how bad we always say the all-star game is, the goaltending was not the issue. The goaltending actually showed out. That was fun to watch. Some of these goaltenders do what they do. Yeah. Still, I've said Jordan Bennington didn't get to be an all-star because if it wasn't for Jordan Bennington, the Blues wouldn't be in this position. There's four other goalies that are better right now in the West. Is Alexander Georgiev better than Jordan Bennington? Look at the numbers. Okay, look at the numbers, Theo, but... Look at where the team is He's on Colorado. He's on a Colorado team. They won a cup with... Mediocre at best goaltending. Sure. Right? Yeah. Same thing with Georgiev. Has he really put up Played better oh my than God Bennington. numbers? I'd say he's still playing better than Bennington. He's had a better overall season than Jordan Bennington. All right. All right. You know who hasn't had a good overall season really is Alex Ovechkin and that that's I want to get to this next since keep it on the hockey topic with this being a down year for the grade eight do you think he still gets to Gretzky's record scoring record you know that 892 number is thought to be never passed uh, we always look at, uh, and I'm going to, I'll compare, uh, not goals, but I'll compare wins to coaches in the NFL where Bill Belichick is like 28 games or 32 games away from Shula's, you know, it's, they say, yeah, eventually they'll get to that record. I don't know if Ovi will get there. I mean, he's getting up to 36, 37 years old right now. And at this rate, he's going to be 41. 42 to surpass this. The huge knock on the Capitals is they don't have a great team outside of 
Oshie or Ovechkin or Carlson on the backside, they don't have a very good equipped team. Backstrom is not there right now. Kuznetsov went into RPR or PRP, sorry. And there's a lot of issues with that Washington Capital team, and they're not winning games, and Ovechkin's not scoring goals. Uh, you know, as much as I like records because records are like meant to be broken, this one's one of those ones where I'm on the fence with it. Am I happy that it's going well for Gretzky? I don't think Gretzky himself cares. You know, he says the same thing. You know, records are meant to be broken. So if Ovi gets to 893, great. Do I think he'll do it? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't see him having 35 goal seasons unless he ratches it up in the second half here. But I've been wrong before. I'm just, I took a look at his stats and they're way off from where they were. And like during his career overall, but I just don't see it, man. I don't. You're at 36, 37 years old. You know, like you said, by the end of his this deal, he's going to be like what forty, forty one, maybe. I, I, I just don't see it. And you know, I blame ESPN for that, really, because <laughs> this is funny. No, no, they they did they did a uh, documentary on Gretzky, yeah, Gretzky and Ovechkin, that whole thing, and I think that puts more pressure on him. I guess I'm not blaming them for it. It's just I don't like when more pressure is put on a player. Sure. If that makes right. sense. Rightfully so. But because Ovechkin's been I, around pressure his entire life. I mean, yeah, but Ovechkin's starting to get injured a little bit more injury prone. And again, there's a lot of miles on that body. The 26 year old Ovechkin is not the same as a 36 year old Ovechkin. We know that. You know? Yeah. Just, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where he just he's not getting set up the way he usually does. He's not getting his you know power play area like he used to. And the Washington Capitals are not getting as many power plays. I don't think I have to check the stats on that. But I don't think they're getting enough offensive power play or playtime where Obet's gonna get set up to score. He's never been a great plus minus guy. So I don't think he's you know worried about that. But that can play into it as well because, like I said, the Washington Capitals are not a very strong team from top to bottom. I mean, they're pretty close in my mind to being a full rebuild. Ooh. Ooh. Does Ovechkin Ovechkin get traded to a team where he's going to break the record? Let's throw that one out. Oh, I got I got a pretty good well it would be a Canadian team. No. It would either be any you're gonna laugh at me. Okay. Why not? Why not? Money. No Canadian team will have a bankroll big enough to take care of his contract unless he restructures and he does not want to get taxed as much as he is in Washington. DC is crazy on taxes. The, He'd be better off to go into Florida. The New York Rangers. Well, again, 
then now you're looking at spotlight. You're looking at a team of veterans. You're looking at a team that does not have a lot of uh, upswing. I mean, they're looking at the oh. Rangers are looking. They just are looking to get rid of Capo Caco, which was a second overall pick a couple of years ago. They barely signed Alex Lafreniere. Their roster is made up of veterans 33 years old and over. And Ovescu would only be one more of those. And, I mean, outside of Kreider and, and, you know, like they've got some pieces with Truba and Fox and Kreider, but Lafreniere's halfway decent. Their veterans have picked up the slack big time. But I don't see Ovechkin going to the Rangers, no. Put him on the wing with Barkov in Florida. There's your there's your spot. He needs a setup, man. He needs there's someone that's right there. Mm-hmm. He does. He needs another Nick Backstrom, is what it is. And yep. he doesn't have it right now. So um and that was just my thought of the day because just looking at his age and looking where he is goal wise this season, it's not looking good. So hopefully he does uh, beat Gretzky's record, but it's going to take a lot of work. Yep. So, Theo, I sent you a video recently about the NIL, the NA, the NIL um, name, image, and likeness uh, of a coach basically dogging NIL. Um, I'm going to let you just take the mic on this. Well, I don't want the mic on it. You take what, your like story. After, I don't think you just, you go ahead first. Cause I don't, I, might, I think, I, I think, but here's the thing. Guys, there are guys that are making, you're talking about guys. Oh, we got, oh, these quarterbacks in, in uh, college are now going to cost 2 million, $3 million. My God, might as well make it a professional sport. You're already getting paid, Theo, with a free education. These top guys that are transferring are getting paid for a good education. And now they can make money off themselves in college? What would be the point of going pro then? What what, what in the hell would be worth going pro then? If these guys can make so much money in college, I, I, I just... I don't like name, image, and likeness. I don't like any of that. Okay. I never have, and you can tell me otherwise, Theo, but I never will. I never will like that. And I I think this particular particular coach was right on it. Go ahead. So there's a couple things that Coach Kelly brings up, and... I'll get. I'll, I'll do the roundabout way on it. Yes, I agree that the points he brings up with the NIL is an issue, and the whole system is flawed because all we've done is we've compounded issues with band aids. And I say that by okay. Yes, the players want to get paid, but what's wrong with the players getting a free education? Let's take away the scholarships. For all athletes. Because you have to remember that Coach Kelly also brings up this point. Is that football should be independent of every other 
collegiate sport. You look at college sports nationally. Now, I'm not an American citizen, but I watch enough American college collegiate sports. There are three sports. No, scratch that. Two sports nationally that get the most coverage, advertising, and rights to television. Football, basketball. Baseball, not so much because they're on the, the regional coverages. Same as hockey. But outside of basketball and football, every other collegiate sport is a type two or a tier two to a tier whatever sport. You cannot deny the money that football and basketball bring to every single sport, every single college. Cannot deny the money. It's there. Especially Saturdays. And now that collegiate uh, basketball is in full swing, March Madness next month, uh, the expansion of that tournament for money reasons. We're going to see the BCS expand for money reasons. We're seeing the Bulls completely change. Coach Kelly talks about bringing in, getting rid of all the conferences and saying we have a Conference A that has the top 64 teams and a Conference B that has the lower 64 teams, or whatever it is, and you play it as you go. Seven teams out of your region, you have those games, and four independent games, how you want to set them up, by all means, go ahead. There is a lot of a reform that can occur, and yeah, Coach Kelly has thought about it. He joked around twice on that interview you sent me, which I thought was funny. But he has thought about it because a lot of these big coaches have. And that's why the big five or the power teams that have been the top five perennially over the last decade enjoy being at the top. But the teams that are trying to get in, the Washingtons, the TCUs, the Oklahomas, the I'll put I'm not going to put Notre Dame in that category, but the teams that have been there perennially, the Georgias, the Bamas, the Texas, the Oklahomas, the Ohio States, now the Michigan. You look at those big teams, and yes, they don't want to change a darn thing. But for the other 58 teams that could possibly be in discussion, I think if you made all the TV, because you're paying players, it's, it's a huge taking overtaking here. It's a huge conversation to have. But you have to restructure where the money's going. You have to restructure how players are going to get, quote unquote, paid or taken care of. And you have to structure the fact that these kids thinking and mentality, absolutely. You know, they are a commodity. They are making their colleges money. And they deserve to get paid, yes, in the one way. Whether it's a combination of scholarship and nil, all scholarship, no nil, or all nil, no scholarship. Okay? But last time I checked, about 10% of an iceberg is above water, and 90% of an iceberg in a glacier is below the water. And what a college player sees at the age of 20 is what's on top of the water. What a college player needs to remind themselves, if they are an amazing player and they do make it to the NFL, the number, the amount that is below the water and what they're playing for. If you want to hang your hat on four years in college and be taken care of with a little bit, sure. But if you want to hang your hat, especially in basketball, on the glacier that's under the water, check yourself. Last time I checked, 
Michael Jordan made squad douche in basketball as a University of North Carolina player and made everything as a Chicago Bull. We'll leave the Wizards numbers out of it. But these kids and their perspective on where and the value that they have needs to be kept in check by agents, their families, and the programs they're playing for. And I sent you a comment just as a little bit of a caveat or outside here. 22 of 24 Washington players, since their coach has now claimed to go coach Alabama, have now transferred. They haven't entered a portal. They've simply transferred to other colleges, D1 schools. Washington has two remaining starters from this past year's BCS team. How do you think they're going to do next year? Compared to my boy Prime, who's going to have his son and all of his offensive players back, or most of his offensive players back for next year in Colorado. So there's so much going on with it. It's such a massive overtaking. But what Coach Kelly said was absolutely true. You need to re you need to have a mass you have to have a a division one commissioner and restructure it so that everybody wins. I agree with that. I'm sorry. No, no. I agree with everything you said there. So I, I you gotta restructure it somehow. I can see the NCAA going away in the next, but, but that's the thing, Theo, the NCAA is going to be obsolete in 10 years. Okay. So here's what you do. It it really is at this point. The NCAA will not be done in 10 years. What's going to happen is you take college football and you make it separate. That's the safest thing to do. And then you assess, you don't have to separate in 64 and 64, but you have to assess where those finances are and how it properly it should be allocated to all teams. Because you can't, as much as you want to take away um, the spotlight from football or give it the spotlight, you need to make sure that the rest of collegiate sports is taken care of, Joe. There are other athletes out there. There are other, like you, I remember seeing the conversation in the commercial constantly that there's 350,000 Division One athletes in NCAA and only 1% of them make it to the bigs. You've seen that ad, you've seen that stat before, which means that 90% of them are, are on scholarship money that don't make a lot of nil money. But they're looking to get their education. So that's the first thing that ha- that's where you start is if you want to make it, you want to give the big boy, you know, it's pedestal, put football in its separate class. And then you start allocating and relocating and re- refilling the infrastructure. I will say this, though, the NCAA will be obsolete when it comes to football, but not to the rest of collegiate sports. What about basketball? They're I think football and basketball are out of the NC. You know what? The the thing is with college basketball, okay? I think college basketball um, has so many, so many pies in the sky right now 
because you look at these players, these lottery players, and you look at them going to the NBA. And contracts of a basketball player are ridiculous compared to contracts with football players. Or they're pretty darn close. I mean, look at the yeah. max player. The max contract of an NBA player is north of $69 million now. And quarterbacks, the select quarterbacks, are making 50. I mean, it's numbers are huge. And if you think the two million you're making at 19 is a big deal, the max contract you sign after you play three or four years in either professional league is a heck of a lot more. That's generational wealth. So do you want the crumble? Do you want the piece now? Or do you want the whole pie later? That's. I get that. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years when it comes to NIL, when it comes to football, if it, if it's a separate entity, it'll be certainly interesting to watch. Speaking of football, you got the biggest game. Yeah. The biggest game out there. Soup, the Super Bowl, and uh, it's, it's a rematch. Um, it's San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs. The San Francisco 49ers, last time I checked, were favored in this game, which was shocking to me. Um, so you, you want me to go first on this, or do you want yeah. you want you want to go first? No, you, All right, you, you take your team, you go with it, and make it a pretty darn good argument, bud. I'm going to go, uh, I go, and I have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I have to because you can't bet against winning. They've been in the Super Bowl four out of five years. Patrick Mahomes is ungodly. Yeah, he may have lost a few, uh, lost a weapon since then in Tyreek Hill, but he still can make mountains out of a molehill when it comes to making plays. He, he, He's not on Brady's level, but by the end of his career, this dude will be better than Tom Brady. I, I guarantee you that this dude will be better than Tom Brady. Um, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, that whole thing, that, that in itself made watching this team better. And with all the eyes on this team, they turned it on. Man, the playoffs started, and we thought, oh, they might get shut out in game one. Not shut out in game one, but they might get beat in the uh, first game. No, they didn't. They showed up when it was time to. I don't know if Travis Kelsey was kind of holding himself back for the season because they didn't really have a great, great season. But, man, did he sure show out. In the first few games of the playoffs, and now going into the Super Bowl, all these guys healthy. Hopefully, the one thing I will say in Chiefs' mind, if they're going to make plays, you got to make sure Marquez Valdez Scantling catches a damn ball, especially in no pun intended crunch time, because we've all seen that before. We've all seen that backfire before. So I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs. But he is a guy I'll be watching, though, is, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Okay. 
That's all you got? It's all I got. Good ar- good enough argument? Well, your argument is I'm gonna I'm gonna support your argument, Joe, because the four out of the five years that uh Patrick Mahomes has been to the Super Bowl or been in this position, this is the best defense he has. From all three levels. This is the best all-round defense the Kansas City Chiefs have. And they've certainly stepped it up in their three playoff games. Now, because you took the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm going to run with my Niners. And I've never been a Niners fan unless there was a number 16 in the pocket, an 80 on the wideout, a 42 killing people, and the beautiful golden pants with the red jerseys. Pre-Terrell Owens, Steve Young ages years. Um, what Brock Purdy has that Patrick Mahomes doesn't is weapons. Are those weapons going to be healthy? It's as much as, as much as you mentioned MVS, Debo Samuel has to be healthy. He has to be. He is not just the heart and soul of that offense, but he is the anomaly to what Travis Kelsey does for Patrick Mahomes. He is that outlet, that go-to, that utility. Bottom line. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has been not silent, but fairly silent over the last two games. McCaffrey has certainly brought his A game in the second half. What scares me the most is San Francisco has not played good first half football in their last two games. Uh, Brock Purdy had a 39.2 QBR in the first half of his last game against Detroit. Uh, Detroit was handing it to San Francisco, handing it. But for whatever reason, Shani and his coaching staff turned the wheels around and won that game. Now, the I mentioned all the offense. There's two holes. There's Thune who is, I think, on the right side. He's got a pec injury. You can't – no, so he's on Kansas City. My apologies. That's a big hole Kansas City is going to deal with because you can't play offensive line with a pec injury like that. You're grabbing, you're, you're tugging, you're, you're holding. And if you ain't holding, Jeff Saturday says you ain't trying. You, ain't, you know, every offensive line holds. We know that. The question will be, will the, will the officials call it as much? I don't know. But the big hole for San Francisco is their secondary. Very young. But MVS doesn't catch the ball. And Kelsey doesn't run past 20 yards. And Pacheco will run. So I'm going to be interested to see how that game plan is going to work for the San Francisco defense. Will they put seven and eight in the box? Will they spy Mahomes? Probably because he is elusive. He's not the fastest, but he's the fastest on a rope that moves around like a lasso or a string. Curves, bends, goes in and out. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun game to watch. But I will take the Niners because I believe their weapons are better on offense. And I don't think their secondary will be as tested because Kansas City doesn't have the major deep threats. I, I kind of disagree with you on one on a deep on the deep side. I mean, there's got to be at least one. And that one, well, who's the Rashi Kansas Rice. Rice, yeah. rice. Yeah. That is your deep threat right there. Yeah. 
and maybe MVS puts glue on his hands. I don't know. I, he could be another deep threat, but that's the problem. Catch the ball. He had the movie. No. You've never seen Necessary Roughness? I've that's, never seen that's Necessary Daddy, Roughness. That's Daddy and no. Joe time this weekend before the Super Bowl. Scott Bakula. <laughs> you got to put that. Don't throw it to Stone Hands. Don't throw it to Stone Hands. You got to watch that, buddy. That's Kathy Ireland. That's old school, buddy. That's old school. <laughs> that's before Waterboy time, man. That's 91, Joe. 91, 92. You got to get on that. That that's that is the pregame. Forget watching the seven hours of ESPN. You and Dad watch Necessary Roughness and have some chuckles. Necessary Rob Schneider as a, player, right. as a PA announcer. It's great. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to someone who didn't watch Wayne's World until like two years ago for the first time. So, Gee, man, come on now. <laughs> Let me guess, Theo. Give your head a shake. Oh, that is a tug. I don't know, man. You, you deserve some vanilla <laughs> nutcaps for that, buddy. That's not good. <laughs> so, uh, Theo, um, you have anything else before we get out of here today? A theory uh, or anything? Man. I, uh, you know what? I'm just looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing. A great game on Sunday. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this beginning of this NHL post All Star Game season is going to continue on. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's time to ramp things up again. And I think just because football is ending, it doesn't mean sports isn't going to be exciting. February is going to be a fantastic uh, upcoming uh, upcoming month. A couple of things though, if you are a youngster out there and you're reading, or you've got youngsters at home. Make sure they're reading every day. February is I Love to Read Month. Uh, pick up anything, whether it be a book, comic book, newspaper, article. Make sure they're doing at least a little bit of reading at home every day because the vocabulary increases, their word their word bank increases. And secondly, not to be outdone, not going to say 1A, 1B, 1 and 2, Black History Month as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good reason why you should be reading, but also why... Uh, your voice is important, and regardless of uh, skin color, you should uh, definitely have your voice heard and be recognized. So um, for those two reasons, uh, those are my shout-outs, and we'll continue with that uh, through the course of the month. Yeah, very well put. Now, my final thought, I'm actually wanting to get your uh, quick reaction to this. Okay. Um, I was said, I, I heard Stephen A., on a video on Facebook, I guess this was on his radio show or something. If you want LeBron to get another title, okay? If you want LeBron James to get another title, send him to the New York Knicks. Go ahead. Well, Stephen A is an L.A. man. He's not. He's rarely in New York. So, <laughs> who cares? No, no. Yeah. I just... I mean, LeBron I mean, with another title, I, I think that would be good, though. Get I think him, the New York Knicks would love to see LeBron in New York. I think uh, I think you look at the, the the New York Knicks are certainly playing a lot better basketball than Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, you know, the East is certainly 
I don't want to say lesser of the two evils, but I mean, again, it's too. I mean, what's LeBron isn't moving anywhere. Let's be real, Stephen A. LeBron isn't going anywhere. And Stephen A, you realize you nixed your second fiddle. That's why you moved to Los Angeles. That's why you spend so much time in Los Angeles. So what are you worried about? What are you complaining about? You get front row seats whenever you want. You get to go all the games you want. You know, you're a name dropper like the best of them. You've got high and mighty clout and swagger and this and that and dress well and don't dress well. And Invite me to your show and I'll tell you why. You don't care. Because I don't think <laughs> deep down, deep down, I don't think Stephen A is – I'm going to say this, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I don't think Stephen A is a New York fan. I think Stephen A is a Benjamins fan. Yeah, he is. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I like how you name dropped Stephen A like that. I mean, well, I name dropped him, but I like how you went with that. I like that. So I'm going to end it on that, Theo. I mean, we could talk about Stephen A for hours yeah, in a not. good way. Um, Shout out to McAfee for putting on a full shirt today, too. That was fantastic. No uh, no, uh, no tank on him. Good job, Mac. Good work. No, no letting the guns hang out like usual. That's shocking for you Pat know, McAfee. I think, I, think, I think ESPN's trying to put some, uh, you know, put some suggestions in the wardrobe and the attire of those boys, let me tell you. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Theo, thank you for, as always for uh, <laughs> thank you for always uh, for putting up with my my nonsense. Uh, for Theo, I'm Joe. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Till next week, have a great weekend. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Be safe. See you next week. Put up the solo cups, boys. <laughs>